0: hey it's tobias here if you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio head on over to acquirersfunds.com gotta do a victory lap when you win mate you get so few in this game it's true let's do it hi i'm tobias carlisle this is the acquirers podcast my special guest today is marge Swedan. he's uh the founder and manager of geo investing and he's the top-ranked member in the micro cap club we're going to talk to him about his 30 years of investing in product. Right Tobias Carlyle is
1: the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit Acquire'sFunds.com. I'd love to talk about my um, the really early years of my journey at some point, my dad's influence. I love him to hear that. He's my, my dad's like eight years old. And he had a really incredible influence on me. So maybe we could have what, that What what did he do? What happened? I mean, he's, he, he's who got me into this. My dad got me into investing. You know, and it was um in 11th grade I actually had um um like in a, a paper paper investment contest, which kind of really propelled me, but before that, I used to sit there and watch, you know, stock stuff with my dad. We was not really talking about stocks. I was just watching it with him. Um, he would be in his basement. We got claimed like a stock cave and he would come out, ah, I got this great stock. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was IBM. No, no, it's um, famous artists, famous artist brands. Like, who? So I, I was getting my first like you know nanocap lesson from my dad. I actually started I actually, uh, because of him, he gave me the book to read Peter Lynch on uh, Wall Street. Um, I started doing like you know, because of him, you know, um, getting jobs to investigate companies I wanted to like invest like industries I wanted to invest in. So he was investing in artistic greeting. I went to work. I went to work at famous artist Brands, which, which is a greeting car company, and um, he just like he put it all. Just watching my dad do it, but watching him do it in a way that was he was never stressed out about it. Um, I remember you know the 87 crash and then the Gulf War stuff, and he's always like he was always like what am I what should I be buying? I heard him say that right. So it was it was interesting to see that whole kind of calmness um, in it. So I saw him go through that. But really, he was—he bought an OTC stock. I saw my dad buy OTC. Like, this is when you could like, it was, like, Wall Street Journal had, like, a section for OTC stock. I didn't even know that, right? My dad showed me. Like, they, they tracked they track new highs and new lows, and the Barron's and the new Wall Street Journal. So this little like, OTC, like, I, I don't even know what was called OTC at the time. It was called They called something else in that section. And my dad, like, this, is, you're hunting over here? <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't get anything out of these things. So I started buying OTC, I was, like, he was my, like, he got right into it. Right. And,
0: um, how old were you and it was, when you started? Uh, uh
1: what well, that was like, I think the first stock I probably bought was probably 19 ish, yeah, but I was investigating four years prior, like doing investment contests and really getting, saving money, obviously. Yeah. The first, like I the first, like I bought coincidentally, uh, was during college it was storage technologies. The symbol was STK. It just come out of Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. So my first stock I bought was nothing. Was just like a, you know, nothing normal, right? Not in my core bucket. Was this thing, and I made like fifty percent of my money on this thing real quick. But funny story is that in eleventh grade, when I was in that stock contest, I bought that stock and put all my money in that one stock, concentrated investor, right? Boom. And I didn't know they were going through a Chapter Eleven process, so I lost it all. So my first lesson was to do your re- fucking research, dummy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you had to, but I got my revenge as the first stock I really bought was the SDK and out of bankruptcy. I was like, wow, there's a lot more than just what they teach you in school, right? But um, but my dad, you know, put me in this, like, kind of look for these obscure things, uh, these stocks, ideas. And it was, it was. I'm glad I wasn't just introduced to buying IBM, Intel, and all these, you know, big cap names. It's not fun to me, too. Yeah, yeah. They don't and, move uh, enough up or down. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. And my dad's still doing, he's still investing today. Yeah, he's still investing in He still has his passion for it. What's you he know, like? I don't know why. what sort of stuff. He's, he's, Same thing. He's ch- changed a lot. He's changed. Yeah, he's microcap still, but he does a lot of biotech stuff, and I don't. He's done pretty well at it actually. Yeah. But um, but he actually, but he's he, he he's still um, but he buys some bigger stuff now too though as he got older. Um, but uh, it was it's, it's good to see he's still doing it and i hope to be able to do that myself and i'm you know
0: 78 70s young if you're an investor you still got 20 years <laughs> it really it's 20 it really years is. you're still running it easy
1: yeah he told me actually like when we were going through the um the whole COVID crash so i'm done i sold everything right two weeks later sending me like stock things like he's already he's ready back into it going <laughs> you know, in there buying stocks ready and uh so it's it's fun to watch it and um i'm really really grateful that he put me in that path and um he gave me the book well, – You know, the day he gave me one up on Wall Street was the day I, the day I was born in, in this. I was a full-time investor that day. I read it two, three times like that. I went. I, he, gave me, he gave it to me the summer um, of when, I, when I, I think of my freshman year and, and um, we were off. Me and my buddy took a road trip to Alabama. I had just read the book twice, and we're taking this road book to Alabama to meet uh, – from Philadelphia. It's a long trip. To uh, meet it uh, to visit his ailing grandparents, and all I'm thinking about the whole time is, I forgot my flock I forgot I forgot the book. <sighs> you know, I'm like, oh, I can't. This is a, this long trip. Of a book. We end up, We end up seeing his grandma, you know, and grandfather, seeing them off, and deciding well, we're gonna keep on going to Florida, we're just because it was actually was like I think it was Memorial Day weekend or or I was, uh, uh, Memorial. I think Memorial. We're just gonna go to the beach, and um. And uh, and just party, not thinking there were no rooms. You couldn't get anything. i ended up sleeping on the beach. I'm sleeping on the beach, thinking of stocks, up with a pelican in front of my face. You know, I just that was it. It was an amazing time. Getting my book, road trip, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to shower. It was, <laughs> you know, and then without my book, and I was like, I got home, and I was, I was, I was born. And uh, it was into this whole like this this, this full time investing thing. I'm I'm just so glad it happened. Oh, that's great. Someone had called me, who's in the industry in terms of like doing all like the um, the proxy stuff and everything. And you know, with the whole Robinhood thing, um, with this fraction, fraction, you know, fraction you know, trading, you can trade in fractions right now. You can buy shares in fractions, you know, no commissions. So you know, so if you open up a Robinhood account, you get these free shares, right? Yeah. You're never gonna you're never gonna sell them. You know, you're just like this millennial. You're like I got point zero 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 five shares of Tesla. I'm gonna keep it for my trophy so you're taking float away from the market and then what i was learning so the proxy laws are all screwed up where um, um oh yeah how do you vote so, them so so but that's quick you have to vote them right so here's a here's a situation the way the pricing works and how what, what a company pays to like a proxy company doesn't change you know it's per it's it does, it's per person it's a per fee per proxy
0: oh no kidding right
1: so so these so he was showing me like hey look i have this 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 NanoCAP company never any of now it's got all these shareholders now right because Robinhood just gave away all these free shares so Robinhood makes money because Robinhood and even like you know uh, makes a deal with the proxy guys like an ISPR, for example you know yeah so you know and then we'll, we'll you know we'll give you our stuff you know um so they, they cut a deal and so the more sh- the more people who own shares the more money so it's th- it's this whole thing going on right. And so now, as you take that, combined with okay, so there's incentive to keep creating these this this buy volume, right? There's incentive to give away free shares that are they're so minuscule you're not even going to there you're not going to sell them, so you're taking float out of the market too. Yeah, you know? so and it's oh, what wow. it's it's ways, I think that's kind of what's partly going on, and um, you know between you and me I t- you could talk to you know Brian from ISDR called me and talked about that he was wondering if I could write, write an article on it maybe or something. But, you know, so it's, he's like, he's, he's torn because he's making money from it. Cause you know, Brian, you know, does all the proxy stuff at the end yeah. of the year, you know, reports and he's like, you know, but man this isn't right. And, uh, you know, I was at a, I was at a bachelor party, uh, about, this is before COVID hit. And I'm sitting there getting like, you know, conned, drinking the shots, whatever, <laughs> you know, and this girl's like, yeah what do you do for a living? I if like, I'm a full-time investor. And, uh, Oh really? I, I'm I'm investing now. Well, here we go, right? And she pulls out her Robinelli. Like, what do you on? She has Tesla. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing with all this stuff, but whatever. I have all these stocks. I'm an investor now, and she's happy about it. And she's never going to sell the shit, you know? So it's just, it's just you see that kind of. It's the same like with the crypto, right? You saw these people getting all crypto who had no idea what they're buying. The dangerous thing here though is there's actually a really good market for stocks. I'm up with the stock market and the way it plays out. And, you know, it just it's 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 not fraudulent in two ways crypto was fraudulent. Crypto had to end because it was fraudulent. You own nothing, right? So I don't know if crypto has ended.
0: Some of it's ended, but I think that, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of the bigger ones is still going strong.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I should say that. Yeah, I, I do believe in the whole blockchain and uh, and um the revolution there at some point. Um, I, I own some Bitcoin, I own some Ethereum, on Litecoin. The more they torch so, the currency,
0: like the the more you got to start thinking about the alternative ones, right?
1: You know, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You know what's gonna happen? Maybe you know, nations are gonna adopt their own currencies, cryptocurrencies, right? And I don't know what that does to a Bitcoin or Ethereum at that point. But um, I'm just surprised mediums they haven't of got- exchange,
0: right? They're just yeah, currencies. I,
1: just, I can't believe they haven't gone up more you know, but I, I remember w- watching this. i um, like, um, those, but those alt and some of the, would you watch some of those, um, pyramid scheme? Oh, there's there like, some shit coins out there. Like, like Bitkine- Bitkine- you, you call you, you call one? them
0: alt coins, shit coins. What, uh, what, what was the story there?
1: So man, there was this, um, this level I was, I, I played guitar. Right. I can see it. You know, things are peaking right when you have like, you know, back in the internet days, it was the um, dot com. You're at a you're at a barbecue and someone's talking about, oh, I bought this dot com company, you know, and, you know, two weeks later, it's crashing. Right. You know, you have all these wonderful little kind of signs. So um, I was in my I think in guitar lessons one day. And he knows I'm a, I'm a stock trader, my guitar teacher. And he has his computers all up for his musician stuff and recording. I walk in one day. I see charts. I say, What's going on here, dude? <laughs> and it's, it's crypto, right? And I uh, didn't tell you this for the last six months. I've been doing crypto. I'm, I'm doing crazy. Man, look what I'm buying over here. And he sounded really intelligent. Like, okay, here we go. But he was so he, he was making all his money in this um, pyramid scheme, basically what it ended up being, where um, uh, it was called BitConnect. If you want to look it up later or something. And they were uh, so. What it, it was a situation where you would. Um, Participate in this ICO, right? And you would get the, you you buy the, the connect crypto coins, whatever. And then for owning that, for keeping them there, they would pay you interest on that, mm-hmm. just for owning it. Nothing like nothing else going on. If you own this, we'll pay you one percent a day, oh. right? And you, but but you can't withdraw your money until you know three months. So they had three more, kept having three months to bring people in, right? They said they were investing in crypto and investing in algorithms, all this stuff, right? But what they were just taking the money and blocking it. And <laughs> and and if you got it really early, you've been a lot of money Bitcoin, right? But then what happened then was it was probably the same outfit doing this continuing to open up other of these little BitConnect type of different names, right? Pyramid scams. They're called they were called I forgot they were calling I forgot they were money lending or whatever they were called, some kind of weird name. Uh and uh they finally blew up. Right? And that's that crypto cryptocurrency bubble really and I mean really obliterate it at that point, because every all these millennials are putting their money in that shit. You know, and uh, it was it was interesting watching it. and the SEC really didn't, I mean, couldn't do much about it. These guys are all hiding, right? You don't know who the hell they are.
0: Well, I knew it was uh, very, very frothy when I was at uh, an Apple uh, genius bar, waiting to right. get I can't remember what it was getting something fixed. And the dude beside me, he said, Do you want to see something crazy? And he showed me his uh, he'd filmed himself buying crypto with a credit card on like it was an atm crypto atm in the uh, in the mall and like there's so much volatility he was showing me as he was buying it like it moved this is when it was like twenty thousand, like it was right near the end right near the very peak and he showed it was moving like a thousand was chopping all over the place as he was trying to buy it and i was like where'd you get what did you pay for it he's like oh i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) This this is awesome man yeah, I mean, it was it was an amazing it was an amazing weird time and you know, it was you, you could get like I was definitely intrigued for a while you know I was like I'm, I still like the Bitcoin and, and all that stuff but I was looking at these because you had some like reputable investors like you know te- I think um, temper temper was he investing in some of this stuff you know investing in some of these altcoins like oh okay but they actually owned an asset because they were they were pre. Pre altcoin, right? They were buying it, right? They actually own asset but you buy it if you when you went and bought an altcoin in a project, you own nothing. That was that was the beauty of it for the founders, right? Because they could give away no allegedly, they give away no equity. Yeah, when, it's, when they sold the coins, right? And it made no economic sense at all, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it from the perspective of if you were looking at going and doing a, you know, this is kind of germane to to the discussion. Like if you're looking at doing a microcap, and you can there's some sort of underlying business, if you could get uh some sort of coin instead of uh, a shareholding and you could get the flows from the business and pay it out through the coin that's an interesting idea like that's a i can see that And you, there's no reason why it has to be outside the regulatory system it could be inside the regulatory system do it properly but
1: that's it, the key can, can you can you give us a right the cash flow right yeah yeah that would be that, that, that becomes was how interesting, it should, right? that's how it should work yeah very much and now you can um you can not that ownership, which is great, but still let people collect dividends. Yeah, I, th- I love, I love that. That was the case. I wonder if that's where we will go eventually. Here, well, that, I think that makes uh, a lot of
0: sense because it it solves a lot of problems. I don't know if I don't know how you vote through something like that. Like that, clearly the proxy is an issue and some of the rights attaching to it. Maybe it's too complicated for that kind of thing. But right. it's just an interesting thought, just one I've had.
1: You could maybe have like non non-voting kind of right. You know, maybe this coin uh, that sounds that great for the, the- issuer. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, right? But as long as you have, the like, maybe there's some like rights to the cash flow still, like dividends, but without voting like rights. Like a
0: pref, something like that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty interesting.
0: Mate, I saw in the uh, in the thing that you sent, you've been investing f- for thirty years full time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I my my best journey started when I was in, um, you know, probably eleventh grade high school. And I was investing my 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 first second year second year in college second semester in college I really started investing, and most of the money I was making came from I had, still had the odd jobs and stuff, but I was I always considered myself to be hey this is where everything else I'm doing is part time, right. working at Vanguard and that stuff, yeah. But my my really full time gig where I just said no more other income was uh, 1994. So you know it's been a long time.
0: And so so, yeah. so how are you, how are you supporting yourself?
1: Dude, man, it was. A, it's an interesting. I believe you wouldn't. I believe you wouldn't. Believe, I told you wouldn't believe me. Well, tell it. That's, that
0: sounds like a good story.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I um, I had three. I had. I during college, I had saved like three thousand bucks, right? And um, by working and I wasn't really investing. Still learning the craft and stuff, doing my investment classes and not getting a lot out of my investment classes really. And I would, you know, spend most of my time going to the library, reading Value Line, you do the Barron's thing, tear mm-hmm. sheets. My um, my buddy had had um, he had a good friend who worked at Dean Witter. Worked at Dean Witter at the time, and I was in a car accident. I broke my leg or my ankle. I Couldn't do anything, so I ended up getting a intern internship during the summer, doing call calling at Dean Witter, and I was just I would just get that out of the way, you know. Made no sales. I was horrible at it. (laughs) and I just read up everything. I said, "Oh my God, look at this information that I don't have." Actually, this is back like in the you know late '80s, you know, and the early yeah. I didn't have this right. Oh my, I was like, "Oh my God, the value line is great, but look at all this stuff here." So I started getting an an, an interesting look at what value these institutions had. and This is awesome to have it, right? So I always learned how to pay for pay for your research. Just do it, right? But I was so I started really getting my first you know inkling there, and I just I knew that I like I just do the math in my head. If I get a really cheap apartment, you know, and get a decent job, um, invest, work at Vanguard, save thirty thousand dollars while I'm doing both of those, you know, I wasn't making much at Vanguard at the time. So yeah, I can probably replicate thirty forty thousand dollars. I, I was that cocky, right? Was, like, I had already had some success on paper and playing in contests, right? And I just, um, I my thing was to double, keep doubling my money, keep doubling it.
0: Yeah, good went, approach. I
1: just double every head, just, just do it, right? And can it be done? And at that time, the environment was different than it was today in terms of this appetite for nano caps, micro caps. And well, what uh, was I learned the difference? very early, the environment was just totally different. There, there was a retail, there was a really good, solid um, retail base of investors who could buy these things. You had a lot more brokerage firms that would allow you to buy mm-hmm. these things. Institutions would, could buy them. Since 2008, things have changed tremendously. Mm-hmm. Why, why 2008?
0: And had, why, do you, why do you think that's the turning point?
1: So it was, so you lost a lot of, I mean, if you were investing in these illiquid nano caps, I mean, you got just destroyed. If you weren't able to hang in there and you never want to come back to them. Right. So yeah. it just it destroyed a lot of psychology, a lot of accounts and institutional investors who traditionally would invest in these things, they priced in the, enough of this. Right. Yeah, they, the, the liquidity, so they, And then you had um, brokerage firms starting to limit the, your ability to buy these stocks. Uh, um, making it really tough for you to get people to get involved. So you had this whole chain, which we used, were really good. It was, it worked. You get in early as an as a as a, as a researcher, as a nanocap guy. You, you're one of the few first retail investors to find them. All these other retail guys find them, right? These are all quality companies, by the way. I'm not talking about the pump and dump stuff like today. It was it, working. Then institutions come in at five dollars a share because it's not a penny stock anymore. You know, they come in. And you sell to them. So it was this beautiful flow. Now now it's just it was and it would really work. Um, why I was able to support myself that, in that time frame. I, when I left Vanguard, I had thirty thousand dollars. It was, I think, in February '94. The first month I made 30, 40 grand. <laughs> just investing in, in investing in quality, value, momentum type of a strategy, right? If I told you the stocks I was buying, you're like, what the heck? But they're really real companies. And this is all before .com and I kept doubling my money every year for several years. And, um, but it it worked because the value creation, the the value I saw at least, or the formula we had, you know, if you use the Peter Lynch formula, PE of 25, PE of less than 15 non trailing is, um, a Ford is undervalued, 25 trailing is undervalued. I I was a big Peter Lynch fan. Oh, it it, it worked really well, you know, and there was a lot of inefficiency in the market. So you could find these stocks early. Um, and, uh, Inefficiency in, in nano-cap, in the market space, so um, it worked well. And I was able to just keep doing it. I doubled my money, and it was it was working. But the, the the key was that you could it would happen fast. Now I don't want to say I'm i I'm not a day trader at all, you know. But and the only thing I don't like to look long term. But at that point in time, that period of time, you could buy these great companies at inflection points uh, of growth, right? Uh, not worry about the three years prior. Having to just wait to that meat of the cycle, get in there. And within, you know, six to nine months, you know, your value, you, what you think the stock is worth in that short term for the short term would be realized. Because you had this chain of constant liquidity coming into these stocks and discovery, right? That's how I was able to do it, you know. Um, and then 2008 came along, everything changed.
0: Yeah, I think it sort of started a little bit early in that because I think Sarbanes-Oxley made it so much harder to get listed. And then I think mm-hmm. a lot of those companies that would previously have gone to listing as microcaps, uh, they just raised another round of uh, VC, and they held on for longer because you had to get you had to get bigger to be able to pay for the extra million dollars a year in compliance costs that Sarbox put on all of the listed companies, and it just got too hard to go to go public at that stage. So, do another round of when you're private, get like that scale bigger, and then so all of those opportunities disappeared for. For, for small and microcap, I was working as a lawyer through that period, and I sort of, you know, I was in Australia, but I, we had we had companies that had listings in the states, and you know, either debt or equity, and they were just they'd come back, and that you know, when we started doing these things, we were doing the twenty f filings, and that, they were just like the costs for us to prepare them were just getting astronomical, and they were just like just get us out, like get just <laughs> right. get rid of that get rid of that listing, it's too expensive.
1: It's so true, man, and, we, we, and then what you end up doing is – as, as, like, been through with this whole period, there's no good stuff. There's no good new IPOs and new – even re- the, re- the China thing re- ruined the whole reverse merger market. All the quality stuff is this all this legacy crap you know, from back in the day. I mean I'm buying all these you – know, It's just, it's I like it because a lot of it, but it's funny that you don't see any new stuff that you'd want to buy. I mean I – I don't at least in, in the IPO land and that – you just don't see a lot. Anything that comes out is like this, this crappy. Is that just the states? Know.
0: Do you do you look do you look uh, globally? Because you are geo investing.
1: Yeah, so we lost geo. The, the intent was to go, you know, we'll go everywhere, right? And and then we got caught up in China fraud, and it's like, when I once I get spoke on China fraud, I was like you know, what? I don't know if I want to go emerging market right now. Yeah, tell
0: tell tell <laughs> the China fraud story.
1: Yeah, so you know the China fraud story is good, man, because what the. I was investing in um, mainly U.S. companies, and then I I want to say around – I don't know when it was maybe, but somewhere in that 2000 there, maybe four or five. I started seeing some of these interesting companies trading on the OTC. There were a few that were listed, right? uh, uh, But with PEs of fives and sixes and crazy growth, like this this is – almost because OTC, right? (laughs) And and, but – so just – you started seeing this, and you started interviewing management. You, you trust in the SEC documents that you're reading in the filings. So, you know, hey, the market will eventually figure it out. I understand there's a China thing, and there's going to be a discount to that, right? So, I was actually long to space, very long the space, um, and um, but they weren't really moving much. I mean, that my nano cap area there, they weren't moving much, and I really wasn't really in in it to know enough early on if there was a lot of fraud going on. But what I ever owned was just sitting there always. The, the valuations continue to stay low. And then what you had was um, we launched Geo, I think, 2007, right? So basically a wonderful time to launch right here before the crash, right? <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is just incredible. There's all this great U.S. stuff, now this China stuff. Let's launch Geo to bring this wonderful information to people and we'll share it make, you know, and be great. And it was, it was a free site at first, Geo. It was free. And uh, I, I really wanted to help and dodge ideas, got ideas going and everything. And um, they were still weren't moving much. And then 2008 hit, and all my all the U.S. stuffs getting just crushed, right? China was while we're, while we're sitting here in the U.S. arguing about what to do and not being able to agree on what direction to go and how to cure the economy, you know, politics played a role. China's like right there, just pumping, right? Stimulus, giving giving money out, you know, united front, and these stocks all got found really fast. Right, so that, that you, people still wanted to invest money, and they found them in these China stocks. And then it started, and they were like, "It was an incredible 2009 for us. Was all like a big China move. Geo was great. We have these these long. Hey, we're we're here championing China. You know, it's okay. You know, you also come while in the meantime, invest in China. We're running long pieces. You know, if you're looking like idiots, you know, <laughs> here now, here and a half later. And then it was like I just started started seeing like um, started going to these conferences. And um, start meeting these people. Actually, meeting I'm meeting these CEOs of these and CFOs of these companies. And just something wasn't right. You know, it was like this is, they just they, they couldn't speak. You know, they wouldn't speak, and they had a translator. You, but you could tell on the, the way they were answering these some of these questions was almost like you know whatever. You know, KG, KG. You know, we'll say we'll say yes to whatever you want. You know, and it was getting to that point where I just kept hearing it. Never any negative thing from any of the companies. And you started hearing like you know, one company say, yeah, I'm a leader in this street. You know, two doors, lit, two doors, I'm the leader in this street. Same, so <laughs> yeah, same industry. He's <laughs> a leader. So, but, you know, it started getting interest. And then we start seeing some an Alfred literal, if you remember him, um, the ghost, um, we call him the ghost, but his name is alpha little, it's actually John Carnes is his name. I, I didn't, um, I didn't know. Yeah. So he, um, he, he, he then you had Muddy waters come out with some stuff. So we started, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, hey, we don't think we're wrong yet, okay, but uh, we're willing to at least prove that the short seller is wrong, at least not be blind about it, right? So we decided to um, go that route and um, hired a PRC attorney who has actually lived, lived in the U.S., but to start working for us at GEO to start helping us understand the legal framework of things in China. Some of the accounting; he was really well versed in financial accounting, also or financial analysis. So it was really a good thing for us. And then, um, so I it, and I then I took I took place in the private placement. It was it just, or, or actually not? I, um, I was buying some paper from somebody who took place in the in the pipe, and it, it was I just didn't feel right about the way it was, how that conversation was going, and it was such in a hurry to sell it to me like a it's like a dollar fifty, but it was so much growth coming, you know. Yeah, and that was one of the companies actually we busted later on. It was the last company we really busted in China, um, and then um, so it was, it was let's go let's go to 2010ish. I think it might have been like the summer of 2010. We're doing really still making money going along China a lot of it, but more you know skepticism is coming out and be, we I, I had the I, at this point I had the attorney give me a, a um a, a a letter at least an opinion letter on. Corporate structure um, filings in China. So a lot of times what we were doing was we uh, we're, we were referencing SAIC filings, which are filings in China that at the, file at the provincial level. So a Chinese company has to file uh, that's based in China, that does business in China at, at, at every place they have a uh, um, do re, uh, have a, um, a do do business, I guess at the provincial level they have to they have to file these filings, and then they aggregate them, and then you have a consolidated you have a consolidated you know number you can get. So you could get these things relatively easily, and we those those numbers weren't matching SEC filings, mm-hmm. the numbers by drastic amounts. So um, of course the, the management teams of these Chinese companies, the investment bankers of reputable bankers, it's all because of gap, you know, U.S. gap accounting versus IFRS accounting versus you know China. So it's all different. It's just, it's it's nebulous, right? So how do you how do you prove it, right? So most investors are to, yeah, that sounds right, <laughs> and you know that's in the SEC docs. Auditor signed off on it, lawyer signed off on it. You know, you got a, 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 a rebel investment banker. That's who I'm going to believe. I'm not, we're not going to believe these bloggers writing about it. But then, so then I went as far as, you know, our, our PRC guys said, like, no, everybody else is wrong. These things do matter sometimes, and here's when they matter. So that's how we started getting. We started trying to say, okay, here's when fraud does matter, but here when these things that do matter. Um, Understanding corporate structure, VIE structures, what you know, um, you know uh, when the filings matter, when these numbers do are, are accurate representations of the company. And we wrote about that. And there were still people didn't believe us. So yeah, okay. And then I had this get this 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 is great. This college kid call me one time, um and he says, you know, I love what Geo's doing. This is the summer of two thousand ten. Um, I mean, I'm I'm with your bullish kind of I'm bull on China like you guys are. You know, I understand you're still a little pessimism some areas, but send me to China, and let's look at these companies. And I said, you know, I already had a small China team starting to percolate there with with our PRC lawyer guy. So let's do it. So we 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 thought 50 companies. Said go go do this, and you know, within like five days, like they're all fra- they're all fronts. So get rid of them all. He looked like a 50 or 20. So. Yeah, like The following few days, I, I went through every one of our comp- – we had a lot of coverage on these companies. I wrote a note suspending all coverage on these companies and, uh, uh, um, due to our other credit intelligence. We were a little worried. And for every company, I w- we went through and wrote down our concerns now with each one. Um, it was a really laborious process. And then we said, okay, you know what? <laughs> it can't all be frauds. <laughs> so – um, empty factories, um, cagey relation- related party relationships. You know, feudal between brothers. It was, it was all this weird stuff, man. You couldn't you couldn't script it better. And um, uh, um, so um, I said to uh, I, I said like look, you know this is let's still do the right thing because we're still long guys. We're not short sellers yet. Um, let's at least now work with investor relations firms. Let's work with um, investment banks. Wait, wait. Let's help you find the fraud. We'll let you know what companies are fraudulent, so you can, you know, drop them. To do the right thing. Well, when you realize that 80% of these are frauds, that's their whole income stream. <laughs> They're not, you know, they say they'll say yes, right? And then when it comes really down to it, we, we finally got one or two firms to say, yeah, you know what? Show us our frauds. And we'll we'll do that, right?
0: But it turns into a and, risk for them at some stage, right? Like they've got to be nervous about the fact that they've been associated with this fraud. Like the, you'd you, you wouldn't welcome that kind of insight from so. somebody else,
1: yeah. We hope so, right? But then you have, this, you have behind disclosures. I mean, who trusts you? Can't even, you? never trust a fucking tech anymore, well, once, right? Like, but once just,
0: you become aware of it, now you now you're on. Now you're really on notice. Right. Now you know. You got it.
1: Well, the pro, the problem was was it was like if so, like, put put. The tough decision the SEC is in or 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 or, 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 or an exchange, right? You have a geo-investing telling you it's a fraud, right, with all the evidence. But then you have the CEO showing you their evidence, like filings in China and stuff. The, 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 the regulators are also kind of in a such a tough situation where they can get sued, right? I think the, I think the Nasdaq's been sued. So, you know. um, but I don't think that's why they didn't. I mean it's all about – I think the, it's all about fees, right? But um, there is still a fine line there. I, what I, where, I, where, I, where I think uh, what's what's sad is that we're you know it's just happened. To, we're not like ten years removed from this whole thing, right? That's when this fraud began, and regulators still haven't really taken that information. That all the the, the tools that we used, muddy waters. um you know Citron, what about Geo? Kirstale? did you see them in there? Kerostel, Kerostel, great, man. Yeah, you know he was one of the pioneers. Of this whole Some, thing. Yeah. But using the information that we all used to put together a template that the, the regulators can say, here, to every like company that wants to come here in the U.S. and list from China, for example, here's a checklist that auditors, lawyers, you know, have to have to follow. Investment banks before you bring them public here. You know, for Christ's sake, make sure they have their licenses to operate. You know the simple things, right? Make sure you actually have cross-checked an SAIC filing with an SEC filing, right? Uh, And they're still not doing it. And um, just two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I think they're they're going to pass. Congress is trying to get some some law uh, passed now to basically, I might just look good in my opinion to delist. If if you don't, if you if you if you um, are have some, if you are have any ownership and you're company that's by or controlled or ownership by a state-owned enterprise or a, a government agency in china you can't be listed here um or if you don't allow um uh your auditors to be inspected you know um you, you can't you'd be delisted right well the reality is that auditor thing was always here it's been here for 10 years okay so it's not, that's not new and then what they said in the ruling was i think um more like you have to kind of attest that you don't have any ownership interests from. I don't know. it's think it's going to lie. Furthermore, it's about like a three-year process to get these things listed potentially. So there's so many more things you could put in there. Make sure that my financials match. Make sure they have their licenses, right? Make sure you know you've gone through this whole red flag li- list. You know, make sure there's accountability by investment banks if you do bring this stuff here. You know, um, well, there's not going to be any kind of incentive. You know, it's it's going to keep it going.
0: It's it's really – it's hard if you're a I, – I admire the fact that you're able to switch from long to short those companies because I, I had a little bit of experience with them as, as a lawyer. I've worked – we had some companies that wanted to set up operations in, in China and we went and helped them do that. And it's a very different process to the one that I was used to in the States and in, in Australia where it's it's a lot looser. The, the, the structuring is a lot looser and there are some weird intellectual property rules where you – after I think five years the the entity owns all of the intellectual property of the parent company which you know you don't, oh, wow. you don't want that as a, as a some very odd things and it and the it was all documented and it was just a it was a much looser structure than I was used to and so when I found them as an you know when I became a full-time investor when I found them as an investor you kind of conditioned as a long guy right to to look at things that Everybody else has sold this thing off. You still think it's it's cheap and it can work, and so you're trying to look through and like, what is it that everybody else is seeing that I'm missing? And with with that China stuff, it was hard. Like maybe it's just the fact that these are Chinese companies. Like they're just off the run. Nobody really. It's a weird structure. Maybe that is the thing that is depressing them. But then you know, so I made I made some mistakes through that long stuff that got blown up. But there were. You know, there were big funds in Los Angeles. I won't name the name of the fund, but I think they put in $100 million into Sino Forest like two weeks before it had blown up. That's and they awesome. went as far as to send an analyst to China to look at the forest. And they said, there's the forest. They just didn't own the forest.
1: Right, right. What can and that's, we do? We had a, we had a cemetery. We, we, we actually um, wrote a, a, an expose on a cemetery company. Same thing, here's our cemetery. Well, it wasn't your cemetery. <laughs> you know. So and that was, that's common. And um uh it by who do you who do you believe? Do you believe Gio or do you believe the auditors? When from, from the regulators point of view. It, it just had to get to the point where you eventually had to do so much work to get it done. And it was worth it then because these were hundred percent frauds. So from a business point of view, um so we eventually ended up having to the short these stocks so but no one was paying us to do due diligence. You know, we, we weren't gonna get funded by Uh, anyone so you know what if we're going to do this because we wanted to clean this space up still we wanted to clean it up we'll start shorting and so we started shorting these stocks let's talk about GEO a
0: little bit what is GEO now
1: yeah so GEO is I mean when we first launched GEO was the real single line mantra was to bring um, you know institutional type quality research to the the everyday investor um, going um, bullish kind of ideas Um, and then Moving forward, as we went through the whole China phase, now it became – we want to do that still, but also have risk, you know, portfolio protection, um, letting our members know when we come across fraudulent companies um, and um, – or not even made fraudulent, but maybe some red flags before you invest. And it's more of a learning process. We teach our, our, our membership base how to look for great companies, but also how to identify risks, how to know when certain risks are worth investing in and maybe some aren't. And through that process, and we um, we're, all, we're putting out constant research all the time with that every day, and our, our research becomes a little learning process the way we do it, uh, and you know it's uh, it, it turned into a situation where we were short sell we we were known for being short because it, the nano cap micro cap that's not sexy right, and you uh, we were doing a great job there no one, everybody forgot that who we, we really, really we really were, so there was a period of just between like ten and fourteen where were these short sellers guys right. So, um, the last few years I've been trying to rebrand it a little bit. hey, you know we, that made us better investors. It was something we had to go through um a because we were along these stocks, we felt we had to go short and, or at least tell you that we were wrong on that and um help you understand at risk and we along that path we are we start exposing pump and dump stocks we exposed basically all wheels we exposed twelve u s china frauds and twenty two pump and dump stocks along the way so um I think that we're in a position as, hey, we've done it all, right? We 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 we're finally long, but we're not long, we're not long um, blind longs. So the way what Geo is today is more of, hey, we're still 100% all about, you know, going long, being bulls, but also understanding when you identify risk, we should let people know about it, uh, and more of a risk risk portfolio protection pieces for our members. We're not always out there putting out short pieces all the time anymore like we are used to. Uh, it's been a
0: tough time to be a small micro cap investor it's it's been it's such a beaten up bombed out part of the market at the moment i think we, i don't know if we're at the bottom, but I think we've got to be the, the, it's stretched now it's starting to do you think it's starting to look interesting
1: yeah yeah i do i do and you know two thousand and nineteen was a very interesting year so um you yeah, starting like mid mid two thousand and nineteen uh, everything I, mean, I think I talked about this whole like chain of events making it tough for the microcap sector to keep getting kind of like the retail investor institutions. Well, it just got. To, I think it's just got to a point where it's just the, the, the bloating of these big cap valuations. Yeah. You know the pump and dump is bullshit with crypto and you know pot. Just got overplayed. That the money has to go somewhere now, right? And then the smart money knows probably at this point that the smart money is in this little nano cap mayor cap you know arena this tier i call them tier one quality companies we call them um and i what, what makes it a, a tier one re-
0: quality company
1: there's like a, a ch- an interesting checklist i mean um if i had to tell you um have some revenue you got revenue add our near profitability um but one of the biggest things is, is capital structure we like we like these companies with really nice capital structures where without with, with, with share accounts aren't bloated so in the u.s at least once we start getting into this like Hundred million, kind of outstanding share companies, smaller, more companies. It's been our experience that they've just like been. That's, 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 a, that's a low quality market cap. It shows that management has been had to, had to dilute the stock for years to grow or try and grow, and they've been unsuccessful at it. Right. So it's a hint to us. But and then there's this this the usual, you know, um, we want companies that have revenue, um, uh, and are near profitability, um, or at it. That don't have to continually um, tap the markets to raise money you know and preferably that's been around for maybe 10 or actually 15 20 years these, these old school companies you know there's a lot of them out there so that's kind of that like if you had to really sum it up really small you know or i'll even put a turnaround company and in a high quality company in, a, in one of these in a tier one if i we think it's going to get to that get to that kind of gravitate towards that level of um,
0: confidence. Let's just get so 100 million shares on issue, why don't they just do a share um, recombination, whatever that's called?
1: Right? So people ask about, you know, so just do that. And what we like to look at, too, is like, how many of those they do, do, right? So a lot of these companies will keep doing this to make themselves look, you know, look better, right? But then we look, I mean, if these guys have done five reverse splits, right. we know what they're, we know, we know what they're up to, right? And they'll just reverse split issue more shares, right? Dilute the hell again. Stock goes down, pump it up, reverse it again. You see a lot of that now.
0: What's the issue with them? Is it the fact that um, they're just not making enough money to kind of – they're just not getting the escape velocity that they need to kind of justify the cash that they got in them? Or is it that management's just ripping out too much cash?
1: I wish it was like your, your first thing you said there because <laughs> that mean they actually had an intent to grow. But I think what it really is, I think it's a game. Yeah, I think there's more money. There's more money to be made in the pump and dump game for some of these companies than actually running a company. Right. So let's make ourselves. Like the pump and dump game has changed so much over time. It used to be like these obviously fraudulent companies that had maybe nothing going on, no revenue, with the mailers, right? Pump and dump mailers. Now it's actually, you know, listed companies that have a patent, have a license, have a product. Maybe they realize it's just too hard to grow anymore. We have this wonderful asset in, in, in a public company let's just keep, let's just keep this hope let's just pump it make some money do it again do it again let repeat that's my theory of mine i <laughs> yes. think that i think
0: the pump and dump's gone up market i think that that moderna uh whether you know they released the the uh preliminary uh results of like a 15 person trial and then <laughs> yeah. that afternoon you drop a one and a half billion dollar capital raise on the market it's like yeah. well I've seen that a million times before in small and micro cap land. I'm not falling for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Look at Genius. I don't know if you a know GNUS. This, look at that chart this week. It's, gone for, it's a, at the Netflix of, um, for kids. It's actually, I think it, it's been around for some time, and that's they did, they did an offering at of two, three bucks. Stock's 11 bucks today. I mean, it went up into the offering after the offer was announced
0: this is a very I mean, you, market. See,
1: you would never you would never see that like 20 years ago man right like dilution is bad yeah you know um, well it's so like
0: it it's, is a late 1990s thing like when that we're doing it we're doing a placement we're doing an issue we're, we're going to have some cash and all of a sudden that the stock <laughs> yeah it rallies on that
1: but it's been 99 it's been that for 10 years right it's been this whole
0: thing no news crazy. is bad news in this market like just sending out a press release saying hey we're still here market rallies on yeah. that
1: but I think I think right now though, like back to your, I got a little off track. I'm sorry. You, I think we are at a point now where it's the smart money is starting to find these companies, you know, and the retail investors are probably buying the Teslas and stuff and everything. And we talked about that earlier. Um, so I think that's really good for us. Uh, and I'm seeing, a, and I'm actually seeing the momentum kind of. When I was first early in my career, it was a great formula. I would look for momentum momentum companies that were so undervalued. We're going through turnarounds, whatever. And it, it worked really well. It was timely. Um, I think we're kind of getting – before COVID, we were kind of there, I thought. A lot of these wonderful companies were being recognized relatively – their value was being recognized quickly by their investors. And, and you, were, you saw a lot of volume coming into them. There was a lot more liquidity coming into that space.
0: How do you define momentum?
1: Um, I was I would I just look at – so uh, when I was just the new high list, 52-week new high list. 52 week new high list I would just use that. Sometimes I'll use a three and six month high list. But when I was man my man, career manager for twenty years, I thought I would use. I know mean, there was twenty thousand stocks there. How do I define how do I reduce the universe? I didn't like screens too much because data. You couldn't trust the data. Yeah. So I was like, if I can find companies hitting new highs and find out the reason they're doing it, is a bullshit or real and they're so undervalued, maybe that's telling me there's an inflection point going on here. And you know the herd of mentality. So I could buy great companies. That everyone else is going to buy, and I can make money really quick. That's how it was in that, you know, 10 to 20 year period for me. Um, and um, so that's how I define momentum. And it's, I think it's working again, actually. And it was, it's still was working in the small cap, big cap, large cap area for the last few years, right? But it stopped working in that, in the, in the micro cap, nano cap land. So the last 10 years, I started. All right, you know what? Let me reset a little bit. or no, the last 12 years, let me start doing the. Make treating investors like an art again, like an art. Let me go back and find these companies well before they hit highs, you know. And because the, the strategies, they're not the good quality stuff isn't hitting highs anymore. It's all, all shitty quality. So I've learned to become actually a much longer term investor, which I even I love more than ever now. I'm, I'm I have, my longest hold is 13 years now, you know. Back then it was probably nine months, you know, when I first started. And I'm start, you know, it's so now I'm combining. I can, let me find these hidden companies. Four or five years, I can get price I'm never gonna get, establish small positions then, and then as everything's proven, plan is proven, I can momentum comes in, I'll really jack it up, you know, maybe even sell that momentum now. Maybe i am I got most I'm, I'm being patient now. And I might sit three or four years not making money, but man, if you can make you know, get really great price, it's worth waiting instead of buying it, you know, three times higher at the at the inflection point of you know, the
0: so previously you were hunting for them on the fifty-two week highs list. How are you finding them now?
1: Yeah, so I, I still I still like I mean, I love it. It's, it's fun to me, right? But so the I still do it. Um, but I'm based. So our team we're reading press releases. Every every, now, okay, press cat press comes out, we're reading it. Um, all the SEC file. As long as they have fifty, if you have fifty million shares outstanding or less, we're going to look at you and read your press release, read your earnings report. Read your conference call transcripts uh, and call management. When we when we when we give it down to like a 10 stock kind of bucket through our research process, right? So uh, I know it's it sounds like all right. Well, the new high thing to me was only like only a way to take 20,000 stocks and reduce the universe. I don't. We don't need them all, right? So I, I bet that same thing would work with like the new low list. You could look at a new low list probably and still run the same kind of. Well, I think, it's a, I think
0: it's a good approach. It's one of the things that value guys—it's a trap for value guys—that they want to go and look at the fifty-two week low list because they feel like you are right. getting a bargain, right? But they're and I, Wes Gray told me this one that there is uh, the momentum is real. So if you are buying stuff off the fifty-two week low list, you are buying stuff that's got negative momentum. You are buying stuff that's going likely to go down over the next twelve months. Whereas fifty-two week high list, like that, has positive momentum. It is likely to be doing better. And then if you can get it cheap there, that's a pretty good strategy. That's a solid strategy.
1: It really is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making money short term, right? There's nothing wrong with that at all. I like long term ones that
0: turn into short term ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I've I mean, almost like when you when you when you talk to somebody about like a, a pure long term investor that you invest short term, they get like, like, oh you're you're just, you're down here, right? Well, you know, we want to make money, so why not have a little bit of everything? Why not have a portfolio that can like have your you know your, your long term core holdings that are gonna you know multi bag over the next ten years, but what about these other ones that can double, you know, short term. And that's kind of how i position my portfolio now uh, over the last 15 years or so. It's
0: just the way that it moves, right? Sometimes you get, you know, I, I do a whole lot of work to figure out this. I think if something's going to make like 13%. I think I can compound 13% of the next three to five years. Sometimes you get lucky and you get that, you get all of the gain in the next quarter. Like, what am I going to do? Hold for five years to get my, the, the IRR that I predicted when I first bought it. No, I'm going
1: <laughs> to cash it in now. Just, you, just so you can say you're a long-term investor. No, yeah. you want to take your money now, right? Well, you know, it was when it was funny though. When I was uh, early on, I, I, read, I was reading a lot about different strategies. You know, I intuitively thought that buying the new, the, the, the stocks at new lows would be interesting, right? That's what I went into it first. And I just, I took for like a, like a couple months or a few months, I took the new high list, new low list, and put it all together, you know, and tracked them all, and didn't really see any kind of advantage from doing that, right? Maybe even worse. And I said, and I thought, wait a second. So all these value investors, you know, um, by strict definition, are looking at new lows and shitty companies, right? So they're not looking at new highs. So I have less competition from really good guys, you know, who could probably like actually do good analysis, right? So you have probably, you're, you know, Mike. I thought, all right, well, all right. I could probably be competing with some maybe less savvier guys, maybe. I don't. I'm not saying that to be rude at all, but. Um, so I thought, okay, the really smart guys are over here, <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, what if I can, you know, be over here and find, like you said, find great value at, high, is that you can, you can be a value investor Yeah. looking at your high lists. Yeah. We're just trying to find value, man, at any, any price, right? And whatever way you can do to make the process easier for you, for us to, to get through that works for everybody you go you know just do it well that's really the and, trick
0: right you have to separate in your mind what the price has done over the last 12 months and what the value of the company is because those are two different things it could be cheap on the 52 week highs list and it could be expensive on the 52 week lows list
1: absolutely man absolutely and if there, if there like I, if there was no chart how would you value a company let's say you were not even look. you had no reference of history of price right and you came there the first day and you just saw one blip how would you value it you know, and that's, you know, there might, now what will happen is charts are parabolic. They may come down on a technical basis, right? Uh, but take it all out, right? Take it all out. Maybe you'll you, be able to add to your position or something. And that'd be pretty interesting.
0: So one of the things that I saw when I went through your uh, your brochure or your little this sheet that you sent through to me, uh, the strategy buckets, do you want to talk a little bit about how you think about the strategies, long, short, and going down through the... Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I, and I put some thought to that maybe a, a year or so ago. Because whenever I'm asked, like, what do I do, I'm like, I, I always had a different answer, <laughs> De- depending on like what bucket I was investing in at the time, right? So, so I, you know, I basically like to, I um, have like my bullish side, right? My, my bullish buckets, and then my short buckets. And then in the bullish side, I have my core holdings. You know, these are like the really, um, you know, maybe your classic GARP kind of stuff. Some of these the momentum strategies we're talking about. Contrarian pullbacks. Um, but these are all, like, I would consider high quality companies that are in that kind of any one of those mini buckets, there, right?
0: When you say high quality, you, it's something that you expect to be much bigger in the future. Yes. And you're just looking Th- for an opportunity will- to buy it at a sensible price now.
1: Yes. And I will in the whole potentially three, four, five, six, seven years. That's my core, you know, uh, uh, um, in my army, if you want to call it that, right? And then you have. Since I'm a full-time investor, you know, I need to make money in the short term, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so what are those strategies going to be? And that's where you get to my special situation stuff. You know, if I if I finally like, – if we find, like, a catalyst that we think is going to maybe materially affect the valuation of a company, um, an acquisition going on that may do the same thing, rest- balance sheet restructurings, you know, that fixed capital structure, um, activism um, – non-dilutive offerings. That's, that's a great, by the way, um, short-term strategy. So these, what was the last one, non-dilutive offerings, Non-diluted. So, have, so how,
0: do they, how are they doing that?
1: So you have, so you have a situation where every time we see an, like, um, a, a filing for a, a company wants to raise money or issue, you see a, an S3, for example, where a, or if, and we all assume a, it's called a shelf, right? That a company puts out a, a filing, they're going to issue, issue shares. So issue shares is dilution, right? So the, the, every time we see that document, we're thinking dilution. they are going to dump all these more shares in the market, which is going to you know, dilute the earnings per share and your ownership. And stock goes down, right? Well, the stock goes down too because of price subscriber. You have to give a discount to, to make the offering go go through. But there are these – So but not all these offerings are really offerings of new shares. A lot of times they're offerings by current shareholders that want to sell a bunch of stock, right? So – but – you have to still entice others to buy that so the stock falls like 20 maybe 20, 23 percent and there's no change of valuation of the company at all right and you're like oh we just have a big holder that wants to get out of this thing which is actually great for the company
0: they're just managing the sell down
1: yeah and you'll see like a i mean those are some of the best you know you can see 20 30 40 percent returns really quickly on those bounce backs once the offering is done you know, and sometimes even on a dilutive offering, you'll see new shares come in to pay down debt in the balance sheet. Well, you're, you're actually de-risking the company. Yeah. So maybe there is, maybe it is better. And then that effect isn't that bad in the end. Right? So those are great little bounces we like to see. And we'll play that in like big caps. I'll go, I'll go large cap on that stuff. I'll start going up the food chain in those ones.
0: So what's your, what's your definition of nano cap versus micro cap? Where's the so nano
1: cap? You know, 50 million or less is nano cap. Between 50 and 300 million is, is my cap. We'll look at companies for if we're like five, five, 500 million or less, I'll I'll go that high for my core strategy. But I'll I'll go as high as 4 billion for these special situation stuff, though. Which you go into small cap land there, right? Yeah, for, um, that's
0: probably the the bottom of mid cap, maybe. Yeah, that's probably the top of small cap, I guess.
1: Yeah, and that's a Peter, Peter Lynch used to be there. He used Peter Lynch used to be 4 billion or less, and that's why I remember. That's why I guess kept that. <laughs>
0: I think it's and a good uh, number. I, I like I like hunting in that. I like I think that's a good cutoff. Like I think above four billion, it's a slightly different strategy to below four billion because above four billion, they've really got to have professional management. They need to be pretty robust. They got to be able. To, they've got uh, guys who are. It's sort of beyond just the engineer founder or whoever was in there. It's like a professional management team who are looking to grow it into a monster. Below that, you're kind of looking at the founder entrepreneur and it's kind of it's almost like private equity listed private equity
1: absolutely yeah you see a whole do ball game there and plus you got more competition for, for of ideas there looking with you so it's, it's so true um i'll give a great, great example of that one was a stock that um uh, if, am i allowed to talk stocks here
0: yeah absolutely as, as long as you as long as you want to yeah go ahead
1: yeah and I, no, I don't i don't own it anymore but it was a bxc was a symbol uh, it was a blue links. So it's a round tripper. So it was a multi-bagger to a multi-bust. And so, um, it was, it was a company that we had bought. Um, it was a leading building supply, um, wood building supply company. And they, um, got crushed in the recession of 08, mm-hmm. 09. And, um, to save them, a PE firm came in Cerberus Capital and took a 50, a 50% stake in the company. I think a 51% stake in the company. And, um, I, I, somewhere along that for a couple of years, I think they tried to take it private. They said, no, at a really cheap price. So, um, you know, there was a lot of, so fast forward to 2000, um, I think maybe 16 or 15, we start looking at it ourselves. There was no, uh, they had, went the penny land, did a reverse split. Um was about six, five, six bucks a share. And there was, every single Alpha article was, 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 was negative about it, which turns out to be four years later, probably right. But so um, they kept promising they we were going to sell the assets, deliver the balance sheet, um, and pay off all this, this amount of debt they had, um, and get costs under control, um, get out, cut out a lot of redundancy in the sales process, um, get closer to the customers. It was all things that made sense to me. Um, so I decided, you know, I'm going to. I liked management portray a lot of the story to me at the time. So we bought a lot of it around six, seven bucks. Um, got as high as like maybe 10, 11 and pulled all the way back. I was holding for two years and that's all, everything just destroyed. Like in a few weeks, right? <laughs> like what's going on? Cause they, they were making progress, right? They were selling some stuff, assets, revenues are trying to grow a little bit. Well, it turned out the Serbius wanted out service capital. So they had to do like a, a, a offering at seven bucks a share. So stock went from like 11 to 12 bucks to seven bucks relatively quickly. Um, unfortunately I, had, I already had so much of the stock. I didn't want to participate in the, in the offering. But they sold it. The second, they sold it. The Management bought some stock. Um, stock at 12 bucks. They announced a transformative acquisition, which they couldn't do when Cerberus was there. And I think part of the reason that Cerberus might have left was because Links wanted to do this acquisition. Cerberus probably didn't want them to do it. We're going to find out why in a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the stock stock goes at fifty bucks. Or wow. Like like in two days, basically. You know. Um, we saw most of our position on that run, and then we, we held a little bit and saw the rest, like in the 20s. Um, so it just turned out that they used. So just what didn't make sense was they spent all these years getting rid of debt, right? And then they went and piled on more debt to buy this acquisition, right? It was a really great if, on paper acquisition if everything would have worked perfectly, you know. And we were, you know, probably the seventh inning of the housing recovery, you know. And they kept saying, hey, we got a few more years to go. We're still at a peak yet. Well, we might not get the peak again. Who knows, right? So um, the stock now is like six, back to six hundred bucks share. They just buffed, buffed the whole thing. That we had a lot of bad things going on, right? In the economy, I mean, the economy did not keep on going. though. you had the interest rate situation. You had the yield curve crap. It just Everything was went upside down. So now the things not go to their plan. house recovery slowed. So they're just hurt now. And but that was that's an interesting thing. You know, a that the things there. That was a that was one of our special situation buckets. You had a restructuring the debt, right? You had an acquisition and you had a, you had a non-dilutive offering, you know, and, but saying long-term that would have been, a, would have been a, just a horrible, right? So that, that, that's an example of a short-term thing we look at though.
0: Where do you is it interesting now back at six or
1: $7? I'm going to look at it. I, I, I looked at it like a few weeks ago and I was, um, I might spend some time on it again, but I just don't like that decision they made there. Yeah. And they got that act, they got it so cheap. They had a great, got a great deal. I got to wonder why they got a great deal, and now I'm maybe seeing it now. Maybe we're seeing this execute – they're not able to execute how they thought, and I, I don't – it's probably because of that. And um, the synergies weren't all expected, but it might be worth looking at. I just – I don't love it. I hate that industry. hate it. So you, you probably should not see me going there again. It, just, it was a situation where I just saw an incredible catalyst coming over. Now, the catalyst originally was just paying the debt off. Once they paid the debt off, there'll be this little – maybe a double out of it. But then all this other stuff happened. I'm like, oh wow, you know, I got this bonus thing that's not going to last forever. <laughs> got really lucky with it, um, and move on.
0: Do you ever look at like uh, equity stubs where there's uh, a business that's gone bust? They got net operating losses. They got some cash. They got some smart shareholders who are trying to, uh, you know, control the, the. You know, you need to maintain the shareholders. Uh, the current shareholders, so you don't lose in operating losses, and there's some smart investor in there. Do you ever look at those kind of things that they fall into your special situations bucket?
1: You really don't. It sounds interesting though, but they really, they really don't. Um, I try, I, I, yeah, I, I try and stay. I know where I'm, I'm able to go and unable to go. But I've, oh, I've I mean, torn I up a lot of money I in have, them, so I'm
0: just interested have, to know have, if anybody have, knows how to do it properly. <laughs> <this>
1: Does it work?
0: <laughs> no, they've all been disasters. Just because they, I think they're the guys who get control often it's a private equity firm smart you know brand name private equity firm kkr or someone like that holding it and their time horizons just so long they're just waiting for it to like drift down so they can keep on buying a little bit more and they know that you know you're going to get bored after two or three years and move on before they do anything so it's never yeah, really they got, worked out they
1: got, they, got, they got money to waste too right yeah go, ah, it's, it's, it's like, like it's like a
0: 50 million dollar holding for them in like a You know, multi-billion dollar book and it's just for the effort to kind of turn it around so they just kind of it just doesn't ever do anything they gotta assign some associate or something to it to like write it and they just i just can't do it i'm too busy got too much work on
1: (laughs) but my um yeah i mean i i chapter 11s i love i love chapter 11s i I mean i was i made a lot of money um in the years coming out of um especially the um the dot com uh, dot bomb in the equity in the equity, yeah. After coming out of Chapter Eleven, I, I was—I right. would never—I didn't really invest in the Chapter Eleven, but I remember investing in these like telecom companies coming out of Chapter Eleven, which is amazing. Um, and so I love—I love that. So when we have these, when we have recessions, I'm always looking for these.
0: What's a recession? What
1: opportunities. Well, yeah, yeah. What is a recession? <laughs> no,
0: that, that's something that used so, to happen a long time ago.
1: So it doesn't happen anymore. It's a day or two of a market going down or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: it. That's a that's then a had, one point down day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then I have my uh my long shots.
0: Yeah,
1: I want to really get to this one. I'm sorry, Toby, because this is my favorite <laughs> area, to, my favorite area to play. I love playing here because everybody hates it. Everybody thinks penny stocks are all fraudulent fucking companies, you know, with no manager team, it's These you know these beer sluggling you know, overweight dudes, you know, just yes you know, scam people. Well, they're really not. They're, you know, I would say most of them are. Okay, they're just... So much beautiful stuff there, though, sitting there waiting to be found. You know, this is where you'll see a lot of like, you'll see like 70 year old, 80 year old management team just sitting there waiting for something to happen. You know, and they, they did it right. For, you know, I just have confidence in them. They're gonna do it again. And things change. You know, things happen, and um, you know, markets change, environments change, economy change, and they, they, will adapt. But yeah, something went, something went terribly long around the way, right, to make these guys stock paying stocks. And then but there's still a, a great business value there there's a great brand potentially great technology someone new comes in you know and and, and alleviates that old magic team of their responsibility because they just can't adapt but this new team comes in and fixes it all it's tight there's like great capital structures on some of these companies that meet our requirements and you get sit in these things just wait and this is where you, you is one of my favorite places to play and you know then you then they're not penny stocks you know ten years later and that's that's the most fun I have, because I can sit there with a little bit of money, take a very little risk, yeah, and not sleep at night, not worry about it, right? So that's I the key, right? You
0: size them small.
1: Yeah, they're them small, but they become huge later, right? But now I'm not, I, I'm not, I not i do not feel as bad, and as I can sleep at night because they have proven to me for the last five years they can do something, right? I'm not, I'm gonna be betting on them now, and it's great when you have these like you know these zero inning, run, I'm sorry, the first inning of a recovery, right? And you're buying stock at a price you'll never be able to buy in the fifth inning, right? But even when the fifth inning is still fucking great, right? You can pile them more, right? And you have confidence. If you've got them from inning one to inning five, and they've executed along the way, now you got this great confidence, then you just go you load the ship, you know, and then you wait till, you know, seventh inning or whatever. And um, you'll see a lot of takeovers in this, in this time, like eventually you get taken over a lot of them. But what I love about it is like this little bit of risk in the, in the very beginning money, no capital, and it can, can become a lot of money later.
0: Yeah, I like them too. Uh,
1: and it's just, everyone's ignoring them. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, no one can buy them. You know, you can't buy them at brokerage rooms anymore. You got, you got to call the order in sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's you can't short them. That's great. So you don't have the, the short guys aren't going to play in this fucking field in this mess, right? Everyone, you know, everyone's ignoring them. Smart investors, dumb investors, Are you, <laughs> So it's just beautiful. And then the short side, you got you know the China stuff and the pump and dump stuff. Um, you know um and there's still China fraud out there now it's just amazing it's pretty bad
0: yeah I just about screen them out it's just too hard
1: you can't you can't I mean I'm long one right now I mean, I'm probably down in it actually <laughs> I'm, still bet, I'm still betting on it Um but the, the, the stuff the stuff you see now with these filings they're still here public without the, without their licenses to operate in China you know it's just they have a brokerage license just, there's companies you know we have a they're not doing online brokerage. You're not allowed to do an online broker in China. You don't have a license to do it. You're still doing it. You say you don't you're not allowed to do it. You say you circum you've circumstance so this fancy way of doing it. So you it is legal. So it hasn't been voted upon, or it hasn't been like, you know, really judged upon yet in China yet. Then we can come to the US, oh by the way, get a license here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know? so, so, so it's just, it's just crazy. So, you know, and they're and they're just like they take the they're taking the art. what's legal about it is I'm not going to say names right now. But what's legal about it is they um so China has this real capital this capital flight problem, right? That RMB leaving China, right? right? To the US or to Hong Kong, whatever. And um so in China you can't um you know, you can't take RMB to dollars and, and and move them out to to invest. And these these firms are are facilitating that process. Right. And our thing is, at some point, China's gonna care, especially right now with all the attention going on, right? We love it here in the U.S. you bring bringing U.S. dollars to the U.S., right? I mean, that's okay from our point of view, I guess. That's what's going on there. <laughs> but my my fear is, that I th- I think a lot of puppet dumps are happening from this whole money too. So I think a lot of that money is coming from China, you know, to you know either Hong Kong accounts, you know, where they can buy U.S. companies, you know, stocks, or U.S. accounts. Um, you can figure out who those two firms are. Um, and then um, just pumping these Chinese stocks. I think a lot of it's coming from that. Because I mean, it's not making sense right now. You're not. See, I don't know if you saw what's going on G S X. No. You got. You got to You got. You got to read that story. So G S X. You got a short report published by um, Grizzly Research. Yeah. Citron and Muddy Waters. Not you know not too shabby. All right. <laughs> so stocks hitting highs right now. And it's, a, it's, in my opinion, a 100% fraud. They're basically – what they're doing is it's a, apparently is um, – it's an online education company, a portal in China. So what's – if I understand it correctly, um, they're buying a lot of their users to make it look like they have users, right? And the, the fraud was busted to a point where Grizzly said, hey, we have the company that sold them the users. Stocks up like 10 bucks and stuff, like from $30 to 40 bucks or 35, yeah, off that, off all, all that. It's big, and it's like regulars doing nothing about it. Crazy. And that's just, it's, 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 really, it's really scary, man. Yeah. So, but. Um, so, Maj,
0: if, uh, if folks want to get in contact with you or follow along with what you're doing, how do they do that?
1: Yeah. So, um, they can uh, email me directly at Maj at geoinvesting.com. I have no problem calling me. My phone number is 267-246-3263, my mobile. Um, and you can go to geoinvesting.com also and check out our site um, and just reach me through there, support at geoinvesting.com, and reach us there. We have a free trial at our, at our thing. Um, it's five, $408 for a year membership, about, I think, 300 bucks for six months. And we also have a, a monthly membership we just put it in place now. And there's a free trial with it, a seven-day free trial. But I'm always like, I'll, if you want more time, I extend it and everything.
0: And uh, you're on Twitter as well. What's your Twitter handle?
1: Yeah, so uh, at Maj Geoinvesting. And then Investing has its own is at Geoinvesting.
0: I'll link those up in the show notes. Um, Maj, Sedane, thanks so much. Geoinvesting.
1: Oh, thank you, that was awesome, man. Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure.